Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today and the program. It's great to be able to have this opportunity each day on Search the Scriptures to come together and and, and study God's Word a little bit further, a little bit fuller, more fully, fully, a little bit deeper, and uh, in a little more detail. We really enjoy and we count this a great blessing to serve God in this way and by teaching his word accurately and effectively and consistently our prayer is that he is being pleased and glorified but also our prayer is that you are being helped because we're helping you learn more from his teachings and since faith comes by hearing the word of God Romans 10 and verse 17 as we keep emphasizing then your faith should be growing And as your faith in God should be growing, then you should be coming closer to God in your life. And ultimately, our prayer is that you will come to him all the way, surrendering through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior and God's Son, as you repent of your sins, confess your faith openly, and be baptized for the remission of your sins, so that you can be reborn spiritually, so that your sins can be forgiven and you can be redeemed by the blood of Christ and you can be that new creation, made new, that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 17. Our prayers are really there with you and for you, and we really do pray for you. Now, we encourage you to in, encourage others to listen to the program, and something that you can do and encourage others to do, because we know, even though we're on several times a day, we know that people's schedules still can be busy, and they can prevent them from being able to tune in at the times when the program is being aired. So you can do this. Go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and you can scroll down on the home page to the podcast button, and you can click on that podcast button, and in about one minute, you can sign up for our podcasting. It's all free. And then you will automatically receive to your device, whatever it is, your smartphone or your computer or laptop or or pad or tablet or whatever device you choose, all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, a great daily Bible study that we call Today's Bible Class, about 12 minutes each day, and all of these radio programs will automatically be sent to your device. And it will be, again, free and automatic. So we encourage you to take advantage of this tremendous technological blessing that is the interstate, uh, uh, the interstate, the internet, as we try to use it properly and effectively to God's glory. But also we encourage you to encourage others to use it. And thereby, through your encouragement to them to sign up, For the podcasting, they can listen to the program every day as well, and they can grow spiritually and come to God. So please do share and encourage others to listen along with you. We're going to close our study on this section of the more general study on grace. We've been studying about grace from several different perspectives to this point, and this particular section is is focused upon growing in grace. Remember the Apostle Peter said as he closed his second recorded letter in Scripture, 2 Peter chapter 3, the very last verse, verse 18, he said, Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. So we've talked about 
how do we grow in grace? Well, we need to grow up in Christ. We need to grow in our relationship with our Lord and Savior. And as we do that, then that will necessarily include growing in grace. We talked about Isaiah, the prophet, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. As he was confronted by God in a vision, perhaps, but anyway, he saw God and he saw the seraphim. And as soon as he found himself in the presence of God, he said, Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And then one of the seraphim took a coal from the altar and touched it to his lips and said, Your iniquities have been cleansed. He was forgiven. And then what was the response of Isaiah? Well, again, when he found himself in the presence of God, the more he saw God, the more of his own sinfulness he saw. And he felt unworthy. He was totally, he was, he was totally dependent upon God for forgiveness. But the more grace he saw in God forgiving him of his sinfulness, the more obedient he became. And so when God asks the question, who, who will I send? Who will go? And Isaiah responded, here am I, send me. So the more he was willing to serve God in the way that God wanted him to serve. So we, Isaiah, in that particular context of scripture and in that setting in his real life, I, we see Isaiah growing in grace, growing in grace. Now, when we come to Ephesians chapter 2, and we've looked at this several times through this more general study, we've also looked at it in this particular section of our study. In verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul wrote, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, most people... And we've, we've gone on and we've looked at the very next verse, verse 10, where it talks about God expects us to be involved in good works that he has prepared for us to be involved in beforehand. So there is something that God expects from us in response to his offer of salvation by grace. Now, one thing is we've noticed he expects us to respond in repentance, that's what Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6. But he also expects us to respond in obedience as we come to him through Jesus Christ, confessing our faith in Christ as God's Son and our Lord and Savior, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of our sins. We have to come to him in obedience. He saves us, but we have to come to him for that salvation. It's by his grace then that he saves us. Remember that Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11 and verse 28. Well, we have to come to him. That's an active response in our part. We have to have faith in God and in Christ if we want forgiveness and salvation and eternal life through Christ. We have to have faith. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John 8 and verse 24. The Hebrews writer said, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who would come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. So God expects a response on our part. He expects us to come to him in 
faithful obedience and then also to live that faithful life before him, dedicated, serving, committed, working for the rest of our lives on this earth. We noted that James said in James chapter 2 several times that faith without works is dead faith. So God expects a response. Now here in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, it seems that most people almost automatically limit the whole concept of grace mostly to just salvation. But that's not all that grace is about. That's a starting gate, so to speak. It's at the foundation level. But there's more about grace that we're taught in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, and we noted how Paul had experienced some kind of what he referred to as a thorn in the flesh. We're not given any more details than that. And people have speculated over the generations as to exactly what he meant by that thorn in the flesh. Probably some kind of physical problem. Maybe a health issue that kept recurring. Maybe a physical handicap of some kind. Some have suggested that he had a vision problem because in one of his letters he noted how he had signed his own name with such large letters. And we also note that there were times when he would use someone else to be a penman as he apparently dictated what was to be written down as scripture. But again, we don't know. We're just speculating when we try to think about and, and offer possibilities as to what the thorn in the flesh was. But Paul said there in, verse, in, in Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 3 that I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8 that he had prayed to the Lord three times that this, whatever it was that he referred to as a thorn in the flesh, that it would be removed. But now the Lord's response was not removal. He did not grant Paul's request in this particular prayer that he offered three times. He said, instead, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made, is made perfect in weakness. So Jesus said, I can use you just the way you are. Now, we might kind of have a knee-jerk reaction to think, well, that wasn't very loving in the part of our Lord. Or we might just say, well, I, I'm, why would he not grant Paul's request and remove this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was? But you see, there's a deeper issue here. Jesus was trying to get across to Paul, I can use you even in your weakness. And not just to Paul, but through his example, we can understand that even when we feel handicapped in some way, maybe because of a physical problem, or maybe just through ability. Maybe we remember Moses, you know, uh, you know, retorted to God that I don't speak well. You want to make me to this leader of the people leading them out of Egyptian bondage and to the, to the promised land. I don't speak well. I'm not eloquent of speech. And God said, hey, hey, I'm the one who will be with you. I made your tongue. And so God can use us even in our situations of seeming weakness to do mighty things in his service if we'll trust him and let him use us. So Paul's response when the Lord said, 
No, I'm not going to remove this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul responded, Therefore, most gladly, I will, re- I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so grace enables us to be able to be effective, to be effective in spite of infirmity, in spite of infirmity. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, we learn a little bit more about grace. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, we read this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Well then, what should we learn from this about grace? That grace strengthens us as we grow stronger in Christ and thereby stronger in grace then grace strengthens us, and grace is an indication of spiritual strength in our lives. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, Paul was talking to the elders from the church at Ephesus, and he said this, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So again, grace strengthens us and is an indication of spiritual strength within our lives. We look at Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 and verse 5. And here Paul wrote, Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So grace also goes hand in hand with obedience. Now, think about yourself working at a job. And I'm just using an illustration that we can relate to. When you first start that new job, you're not all that proficient at it, are you? But as you apply yourself day after day and learn more and more of the ins and out of uh, ins and outs of doing that job you become much more proficient don't you you become much more skilled and you've learned how to be more effective at doing what you're doing well as we first become a christian we're as the apostle paul refers to us in in first uh, corinthians chapter 3 the first few verses we're baby christians now, we may be 80 years old physically, but we're still new in Christ. The Hebrews writer refers to us as being infant Christians as well in Hebrews chapter 5, the closing verses. And, and, and so we have to grow up in Christ. We talked about that in, in Ephesians chapter 4, that we are to become more mature spiritually. We talked about how we're to add the Christian virtues to our lives that Peter laid out for us in detail in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. So we grow spiritually. We grow stronger. And as we grow stronger, we learn more and more about obedience, and we become better and better at obeying God's word, his teachings, 
as we apply ourselves more and more consistently. So grace strengthens us spiritually and is an indication of spiritual strength in our lives. And grace goes hand in hand with obedience. Now, notice also, going back to 2 Corinthians, and we look at chapter, we look at chapter 8 and verses 5 through 7. And here was Paul was writing to the church at Corinth about their worshiping God, being dedicated to God, and demonstrating that dedication through their giving. This was apparently a poor group of people, not the church at Corinth, but the churches of Macedonia to whom he refers in writing this letter to the Corinthian congregation, and he's using the example of the Macedonian Christians as a lesson for those Christians in Corinth. So beginning with verse 5 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Now, what grace is it to which Paul was referring? It was the grace of giving back to God in worship to him, in dedication to him, from the blessings with which he had bestowed upon us to begin with. Think about that. If you go back if you go back to verse 1 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, their deep poverty, but also the abundance of their joy, abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Those Christians from those churches in Macedonia demonstrated that they had grown and were growing in the grace of giving. And so in verse 7, Paul implores the church at Corinth that you also grow in this grace. Grace gives. Grace gives. Now let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And when we look here, another one of Paul's letters to the church in Colossae, this time in verse 16, we read a different aspect of growing in grace. In verse 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Well, grace praises God and rejoices in song as we come together as the Lord's church to worship him singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now let me throw a little bit of a, of a side application here. 
when all we do is listen to a choir sing for us, as is the case to a great extent in many denominations, we're not singing to the Lord. We're not singing with grace to the Lord. We're trying to let somebody else do that for us. And you know what else? You'll never find that image in the New Testament church anywhere in the scriptures of the New Testament. Never. You never find a choir singing within a congregation worship service of the Lord's church anywhere in the New Testament. We're told to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But you see, that's talking about the individual Christians joining together in song. And so here, we're to grow in grace. And one way that we need to understand that we grow in grace is in worship to God through singing praises to him. And in some cases, some of the songs that we sing in worship are actually prayers to God. In James chapter 5 and verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. And in our singing, then, grace brings us reason for joy. Reason for joy. When we come together to worship God, boy, we ought to be a joyful people in expressing and giving our worship before God. Now let's go back to one more text, and that is in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. Uh, verse 25. And here we read this. But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. You see, why could they sing and praise, sing those praises to God at midnight? Now, we've already talked about how grace expresses our joy, our worship for God, our thankfulness to him through songs, through singing as we come together to worship. Here were Paul and Silas in jail, in prison at midnight, and they were singing praises to God. Grace sustains us. In spite of their situation, they were sustained. Grace sustains us, even in the face of hardship and tribulation. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we grow in knowledge, we grow in our faith. As we grow in our faith, we're growing in Christ. As we put our faith into action through service and dedication and commitment and good works, we're growing in grace as well. Praise God for his grace. And let us always strive to grow in grace. And let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace extended to us. Thank you for your offer of salvation for us by your grace. Guide us, Father, to come to you for that grace and then to grow in the grace of Christ. Help us to grow in our faith and dedication and commitment. And we give you the praise, the glory, the honor, and the thanks. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.